You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with the latest Judicial Watch update here on social media. Thanks for joining us during a terrible week for the U.S. Constitution or our Constitutional Republic. Uh, the coup cabal continues apace against President Trump with its machinations and illicit impeachment. And on top of that, we have had confirmation that the president was the victim of a massive criminal conspiracy run by the Obama administration and the deep state. That's exposed in the IG report. We've got big news on the Awan brothers, Pakistani, Dem IT scandal in the House. We had a court hearing on that. And then next week, we have a court hearing on the Clinton email issues. So I'll talk about that as well. But first up is the constitutional crisis. We're in a crisis. It's caused by the coup cabal that has hijacked uh, Congress and the House specifically for the purposes of abusing the powers entrusted to them by you, the American people, to try to take out President Trump through an illicit impeachment process. Uh, today, uh, this week, they held hearings about uh, their articles of impeachment for all the noise you heard about Russia, for all the noise you heard about Ukraine, and all the terrible things President Trump has done, they had articles of impeachment based on nothing. One article of impeachment is some vague impeachment article related to abuse of power. And then the second article of impeachment is an obstruction of justice, or excuse me, an obstruction of Congress article, because the president dared to object to their abuse of power in the House. This is the tyrannical approach of the Kukabal in the House, the Pelosi, Schiff, Nadler, Kukabal. They are saying that the president's constitutional objections to their overwrought, invasive, illicit subpoenas and requests for internal White House deliberations and testimony from type, type, top White House aides requires his impeachment and removal from office. The president has every right under the Constitution and the law to object to these issues. But they say if you object, you will be punished, even though the law allows you to object. That's how outrageously abusive this impeachment process is. And of course, it's all the result of uh, an impeachment process that provided zero due process rights to the President of the United States. That House of Representatives, they didn't let the President bring in any witnesses. They wouldn't let him question any witnesses. They wouldn't let him even present a defense effectively. Oh yeah, they went, said, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you can come in, but you can't assert any privileges. You have no rights, so come on in. And of course the President declined that invitation. And in fact, he was not really explicitly invited until they were going to impeach him. You know how outrageous it was this week? They had their own lawyers testifying. One lawyer, some anti-Trump activist from New York who's a donor to the Democratic Party, who's now a temporary staff attorney for the Nadler impeachment coup effort, he testifies, then he gets up, walks up and sits on the dais and questions his colleague. When I say something as a star chamber proceeding, 
They don't even do that in star chamber proceedings. They didn't even go through the motions of providing due process rights to the President of the United States. There's no evidence the President did anything wrong. They are desperate to protect themselves from the consequences of their illegal behavior. Obama, Biden, Clinton, the deep state all did terrible things. Namely, the spying, the illegal spying on President Trump, the outrageous abuse of power on that. You've got Biden up to his neck in Burisma, Ukraine, Hunter Biden scandal issues. Hillary Clinton has violated the law so many ways that I've lost count, both with the emails and then with the uh, uh, foundation pay to play, national security crimes, all sorts of issues. And then you've got the deep state enabling and conspiring on all of that. So what better way to distract from that than to have their allies, some of whom are directly implicated in these very same crimes, to institute an illegal impeachment against the president. And you heard me say it, illegal impeachment. It's an impeachment not based on the law. It's an impeachment not based on the Constitution. It's an abuse of power. And when you abuse the constitutional powers given to you to try to remove an elected head of government, you know what I call that? I call it a coup. I call it a coup. And they say it's over. And I'm going to stand up for emphasis here. It isn't over. It is not over. You have to stand up against this coup. Call your members of Congress, 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121. Say you object. Let your views be known. Certainly, even if you would disagree with the president, let your views be known. This is an attack on your right to govern yourselves, the very notion of self-government's at issue here. You've had experts say, well, if this impeachment goes forward, Presidents of different parties run, you know, if the House is run by a different party from the president, they'll be impeaching them all the time. No, that won't happen. Republicans won't be impeaching Democrats. That won't be happening. This is, will be a new tool to, for the left to use often against presidents who elections, whose election they despise. And if the House doesn't stop this impeachment abuse, the Senate needs to stop this impeachment abuse. In the least, they need to bring Schiff up for accountability over his prosecutorial misconduct. The, his illicitly formed coup attack on President Trump through the leaking collusion with the CIA operative. He lied about that then he illicitly gets the phone records of the president's lawyers, publishes them, a journalist publishes them, a member of Congress publishes them, and they're going to take that garbage prosecution, that garbage impeachment that resulted, and give it a full Senate trial without having him held account? That can't happen. That can't happen. This is about our Republican form of government. This is about our Constitution. This is about your right to elect your president of your choice. And if you're a Democrat or Republican or independent, liberal, conservative, you should be concerned about this abuse of power. I'll talk about this later. 
They spied on the president without basis, made up Russia smears against him. Now they're making up new smears, Ukraine smears against him, and trying to drive him from office outside the norms of our constitutional traditions, outside any notion of justice, outside the norms that are afforded, uh, the, the protections that are afforded typically to a United States citizen. Do you hate the president that much? We have to ask ourselves. Well, those of you at least should be asking yourselves who hate him, that you're willing to destroy the Constitution to get him? That's what it looks like is going on. I encourage you to let your members of Congress know that you don't want this to happen. And in the meantime, Judicial Watch will continue with this litigation and investigations. We've got all the lawsuits that you could think of, practically speaking, on these issues, the deep state issues. We've got lawsuits on Biden's corruption. We're asking about what Schiff is up to. And yeah, we may sue. But in the meantime, we have to protect our republic. The vote is going to be next week. Are you, are you participating in this process? They don't want you to because they want you to believe it's already a done deal. It's not a done deal. Nothing's a done deal, thankfully, in our constitutional republic. The vote hasn't happened yet. There are many persuadables in the House, both Republican and Democrat. I doubt the Republicans are going to vote for any impeachment, obviously. And there are some Democrats who are willing to listen. It's the first time I think I've st stood up to talk about something here like I did just now. But it's important. This is a tragedy and a farce that's going on. It's a bad day. It's a bad week for our constitutional republic. There is no abuse of power by the president. But there were abuses, as I say, committed against him by the Justice Department, the State Department, you name it, the FBI, the FISA courts, and of course, now they're allied Democrats in the House. It was corruptly formed, is being corruptly pursued, and we have to try to stand against it. And along those lines, we have the IG report, which confirms there's a, and outlines a cavalcade, a cavalcade of criminality targeting President Trump and other innocent Americans. A cavalcade of criminality. This is the big IG report. And as I've been saying, and if you've been watching me for some time, it's both a a, uh, an expose and a cover-up at the same time. It exposes, really, just wild abuses of power by the FBI, the Justice Department, all with the permission of Barack Obama, by the way, targeting President Trump, unprecedented spying on President Trump. And what does it show? That for three years, the United States government has known that there was never any Russia collusion for at least three years. And they couldn't admit it to us. And despite them knowing, they abused this president and abused our democracy. They knew 
in January of 2017, as Attorney General Barr pointed out this week, it, the whole thing collapsed. The dossier collapsed. Of course, it had collapsed before then, but they had confirmation of the obvious fraud of the dossier. And yet it was used continuously to not only uh, to get three more warrants to spy on the president, but to instigate a special counsel investigation against the president of the United States. And of course, that special counsel knew almost immediately that there was no Russia collusion. So we thought, well, I'll just continually harass him and see what else I can get. Maybe I can get him to, quote, obstruct justice and make a mockery out of, out of the rule of law by accusing him of that. And they still couldn't come up with anything. You know, in some ways, the truth is prevailing. The president's an innocent man. And our system kind of works in a way that makes it difficult to go after innocent people. I understand it's not impossible. But he's been innocent. This impeachment collapse here in the House, it's collapsing. This is why I'm telling you to call your House members. There's no guarantee the House will be able to impeach the president or has the votes to impeach the president. Why? Because he's innocent. This report, this report shows he's a crime victim too. His civil rights have been violated. The civil rights of other Americans like Carter Page, a patriot, an honest American, has been violated. George Papadopoulos, he got caught up in this. He had to plead guilty to lying. I'd pardon him if I were the president. His rights were violated. General Flynn's rights were violated. And you know what? Your rights were violated. Because they were investigating a political campaign that was going around asking for millions of votes. They were interfering in your right to choose your own president without interference from that malicious, seditious conspiracy, otherwise known as the Comey, FBI, DOJ, and Obama administration. So there's a lot here in the IG report. You know, I'd love to read all 430. Maybe I should read them all, huh? Would you, would you want us to do an audible version of the IG report? I don't know. But like I said, it's just that I, it's a cover-up and an expose at the same time. And, and, what it, it, and what struck me about this is it, as I'm reading through it, much of it I already knew. Why did I already know it? Because Judicial Watch has already exposed much of what we already know about Spygate. And so it took however many years for the IG to confirm with more details, important details, evidence, crimin evidencing criminality, as I say, that we didn't have before. But much of what we know is as a result of our litigation. It's an incredible testament to the fact that Judicial Watch is your IG. You don't need an IG when you have Judicial Watch in many respects. The IG confirmed 
that the FISA warrants were fraudulent. We knew that. The IG confirms that Bruce Orr, Nellie Orr, the Fusion GPS gang, were all working together in an unethical and compromising fashion. We knew that. We exposed that through our FOIA litigation, showing that Bruce Orr was the vehicle for getting Christopher Steele, the, the uh, Clinton Fusion GPS spies info, to the FBI after the FBI technically had to cut, them, cut him off for lying about Ligon. The IG confirms that Christopher Steele was paid by the FBI. It was a joint operation between the FBI, the Clinton campaign, the DNC, to pay him during the 2016 campaign until they cut him off for lying. Judicial Watch already exposed that. We knew there were other agencies involved in creating the dossier and pushing this garbage into the Justice Department bloodstream to target Trump. Judicial Watch exposed that through its FOIA litigation. We exposed the FISA gate fraud, as I said. I don't want to read the details of the big lies. Because we were told those FISA reports, that dossier, oh, that was great stuff, right? It was a big lie, and they knew it from the get-go. These are the first seven failures or in significant inaccuracies and omissions. I'll just read this section because it's worth reading. So this is even before, this is before the first FISA application was filed. This is in the first FISA application. So it wasn't like later after they found out what was wrong in the FISA application, you know, that it was already, it was okay to go. And then only later did they find out there was an issue. No, the FISA application based on the dossier was a fraud to begin with. Now remember, and this, and this has been reported elsewhere, Devin Nunes has been vindicated by this because he exposed this first. Because he looked at all the information and made the same conclusions that the IG made. Devin Nunes looked at all the information, uh, I mean, Adam Schiff looked at all the information, saw Devin Nunes was right, yet lied about it and suggested he was wrong. This is in the first FISA application to spy on President Trump. I know it was the Carter Page FISA application, but it was about getting President Trump. It omitted information that the FBI had obtained from another U.S. government agency detailing his prior relationship with Page, including that Page had been approved as an operational contact for the other agency from 2008 to 2013, and that Page had provided information to the other agency concerning his prior contacts with certain Russian intelligence officers, one of which overlapped with facts asserted in the FISA application. They said Page was a foreign agent, or they had reason to believe he was a foreign agent. When in fact he was working for this, quote, other agency, unquote. You know what that other agency was? The CIA. And they lied about it. In fact, it turns out, and the IG report describes this, you had an anti-Trump fanatic lawyer actually change the email from the other agency, the CIA, that said he was a contact. He literally altered it to say, he was not an asset. That's how corrupt this was. 
It included a source characterization statement asserting that Steele's prior reporting had been corroborated and been used in criminal proceedings, which overstated the significance of Steele's past reporting and was not approved by Steele's handling agent as required by the Woods procedures. The Woods procedures are internal DOJ procedures to make sure that FISA warrants are adequately vetted factually because the other side has no idea what's happening. The government has obligations to fully, accurately, to fully and accurately vet all the background material in a FISA warrant application. That's called the Woods procedures. Omitted information relevant to the reliability of person one, a key steel subsource, who is attributed with providing the information in report 95 and some of the information in reports 80 and 102 relied upon in the application. And those are, those are the numbers they were assigning some of the dossier memos that Steele was providing. Namely that one, Steele himself had told members of the Crossfire Hurricane team that person one was a boaster and an egoist and may engage in some embellishment. So Steele was telling the FBI, my own source is not reliable. They didn't tell the court that. Asserted that the FBI had assessed that Steele did not directly provide to the press information in the September 23rd new Yahoo's News article uh, based on the premise that Steele had told the FBI that he had only shared these election-related research with the FBI and Fusion GPS, his client. This premise was incorrect and contradicted by documentation in the Woods file. Steele had told the FBI that he also gave his information to the State Department. So the FBI was pretending not to know that Steele was leaking this information all over the place, and Steele was quite adamant that he had the right to do it because he says, I was working for Fusion GPS, who was hired by, this by this, the Clinton DNC cutout law firm, and part of his job requirement for the contract was to brief and leak to the media. And he told the FBI that, and the FBI didn't tell that to the courts. In fact, they used that Yahoo News article to support their FISA application without telling the court Steele was the source for it. So they were pretending it was two sources. As I've been saying, they would look at the FISA warrant application and, and suggest to the court they had three different sources when, in fact, it was one source. It was all the Steele dossier. It'd be like asking you who your sources are and your response being me, myself, and I. That was the Steele dossier in the FISA scam. Asserted that the FBI had assessed that Steele did not directly provide, oh, excuse me, omitted Papadopoulos' consensuously monitored statements to an FBI CHS in September 2016, denying that anyone associated with the Trump campaign was collaborating with Russia with outside groups like WikiLeaks and the release of the emails. Okay, I, I'm going to go crazy over this one. So, or I'm going to try not to go crazy over this one. So they're telling us that Papadopoulos told a foreigner government official, namely Alexander Downer of Australia, who's a Clinton advocate, that the Russians and the Trump people, they may try to get the emails out. So Downer, after a period of time tells someone else that it gets back to the FBI. 
And the FBI, they say, opened it, the Crossfire Hurricane investigation as a result. Now, the IG infamously, in my view, use the term that I've been saying a lot, a lot of infamous activity going on, says that there was really uh, nothing he can do, he, that, that that was appropriate to open the investigation. Well, that's, that's just ridiculous. A rumor is not an appropriate pretext to open an investigation or, quote, a spy operation into a presidential candidate's campaign. In the least, they could have done what evidently they did was just talk to, talk to Papadopoulos and say, we understood this was taking place. What was going on here? We need to know. And tell the Trump campaign, you may have an issue here. Instead, what they did, they consensually monitored, consensually, consensually monitored, excuse me, because that's not a word normal people use, consensually monitored Papadopoulos. They consensually monitored Carter Page. You know what does that mean? It means they sent a spy to record conversations with them. And Papadopoulos said, that's ridiculous. We didn't do it. Page said, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? So those, ex those statements should have been enough to end any case. The spying was outrageous. I mean, for the IG to use the phrase consensuously monitored, that tells you where the deep state IG is coming from on this. They were spying on them. Omitted pages consensuously monitored statements to an FBI CHS spy, confidential human source. In August 2016, the page had literally never met or said one word to Paul Manafort, and Manafort did not respond to any pages' emails. If true, those statements were in tension with claims in Report 95 that Page was participating in a conspiracy with Russia by acting as an intermediary for Manafort on behalf of the Trump campaign. The dossier said Manafort was the vehicle for the conspiracy. Page says, I don't know Manafort, and I've never talked to him. They didn't tell the court that. Included Page's consensuously monitored statements to an FBI confidential human, for, um, human source in October 2016, so a second round of spying, that the FBI believes supported its theory that Page was an agent of Russia, but omitted other statements Page made that were inconsistent with its theory, including denying having met with Setchin and Devinkin, or even knowing who Devinkin was, Devyankin, excuse me, if true, those statements contradict the claims in Report 94 that the page had met secretly with them about future cooperation with Russia and shared derogatory information about Canada Clinton. So they had this dossier come to them from the Clinton gang, and they took it and ran with it. And they used it to justify spying on all of these people uh, through the FISA process, obviously. But also, they had previously already spied on them by sending in confidential human sources to record their conversations. And furthermore, later in the report, it's it, it shows that they spied on the Trump campaign directly because they used a briefing, a briefing that is supposed to be given to candidates of the political parties, uh, presidential candidates or nominated candidates for the political parties, 
for the presidency, and they used the briefing of Trump to try to glean information about this Russia scam. They used it to spy on Trump's campaign. They went in there not to brief the president in good faith. They lied to the campaign about the reason for the presence of one of the investigators. He was there to see how Flynn might react. So they're told about this rumor and they open up the investigation. Pretextual reason for doing it because there's information they already have been, been spying on, on Carter Page before Crossfire Hurricane was opened up. And they immediately began spying on and investigating four Americans in the Trump campaign. And Obama knew. I want to read you a section that the media doesn't want to talk about, but I'm going to talk about. And there's plenty of this type of activity in here. Comey said that although he did not recall exactly what he said, this is during a briefing in 2000, Sixteen. Excuse me. Comey said, although he did not recall exactly what he said, he may have said there were four individuals with, quote, some association or connection to the Trump campaign. He said it was thought it was important that the president know the nature of the FBI's efforts without providing any specifics. And at this meeting, it was in... Um, I don't see the date, it doesn't pop out at me. It was in the summer of 2016, it looks like. Comey told us that the meeting was attended by Chief of Staff Dennis McDonough, then National Security Advisor Susan Rice, then Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, then CIA Director John Brennan, and then Director of National Security uh, Agency Michael Rogers. Comey stated after he provided this information, no one at the meeting responded or followed up with any questions. Comey did not recall specifically when this meeting took place, but believe it may have been in uh, August of 2016. And then McCabe's notes suggest a similar meeting took place in August of 2016, it looks like. So it looks like there are two contemporaneous records and recollect, uh, two, two recollections and, and notes that confirm that Obama was briefed. Obama knew about the spy operation against the president. And you know who else knew? And I didn't, I didn't pull it out from the report, but it's in there, and I encourage you to look it up. Clinton. So this is the, this is the FBI. This is your, this is your FBI. Uh, the Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, anti-Trump FBI. They go running to Christopher Steele, who they knew was working for the Clinton operation, the DNC operation, the president's political opposition at the time. Obviously, he was only a candidate. And they're trying to get Steele to work for him. And in doing so, they tell Steele that they're investigating, spying on Manafort, Flynn. Well, I, I don't know if they told them the specifics of who they were spying on, but four individuals associated with the Trump campaign. So they tell Clinton's spy, 
that they are spying on the Trump campaign about Russia collusion. Steele happily goes and tells Glenn Simpson, his boss, the Clinton campaign obviously is briefed on this. When you're telling Steele, you're telling the Clinton campaign. So a month before the election, this meeting took place in October, the FBI told the Clinton campaign through its intermediary, Christopher Steele, that they were spying on Trump. But they never told Trump that they were investigating his campaign. They never gave him a heads up, assuming they had a good faith reason to believe the Russians were trying to manipulate his campaign or use it or people on the campaign working with them. They just spied on him. And like I said, the IG punts on all of this. So where do we go from here? We have dramatic evidence of criminal spying on the president. And remember, it continued. It began during the campaign. It continued into his presidency, at least in 2017. Attorney General Barr in Durham took exception to some of the conclusions of the report suggested that the reason for opening the investigation was not sufficient to begin a spy operation without precedent against a presidential candidate, and they're continuing the criminal investigation. Or maybe not. I'm not sure it's a criminal investigation. There's been one criminal referral out of this report, only one. But they were all briefed. Everyone in the chain of command knew what was going on, and no one objected. And to the degree anyone objected, it was almost incidental. And of course, there are dozens of lies and omissions to the federal FISA court. No referrals for prosecution. And I've got to tell you something. This IG report, the whole process is a scam. Because what does it do? It tells everyone, you can't do anything until we get the IG. We can't, get, we can't do anything until you get the IG report. And the IG report is slow rolled and slow rolled and slow rolled. And it takes three years before you get explicit confirmation that our federal agencies were compromised by nakedly corrupt activities. The IG says he had no good reason, that he was given no good explanations as to why he did, they did all of this misconduct with the FISA courts for these acts of omissions. I mean, they had their excuses, but he said there was nothing that was persuasive. There was no good reason for what went on. But then, then again, he ignores all the evidence of bias in the text messages and suggests he had, quote, no documentary evidence of bias. Well, unsurprisingly, these people don't confess they did this for political reasons. Unsurprisingly, they've got a bureaucratic reason for doing everything they did, for opening the investigation. I'm reminded of a, uh, a, a cartoon they used to run, the Far Side cartoons. You may remember them. And there was one particular one I always liked. And it was, uh, it, it, they're usually single panel cartoons. And there's this absurd looking clown uh, and there are a bunch of people knocked out around him, and he's got the big mallet. Obviously, he's done, he's knocked everyone out. 
and the policeman is standing next to him looking at a piece of paper and the policeman says something to the effect of, well, I'll be darned, he does have a license to do this. That's the IG's report. All this, you got all these bodies littering the streets. And the IG says, well, they've got the, they've, they, they dotted the I's across the T's in initiating this corruption. And all this misconduct is evidence only of, ah, uh, I don't know, but I don't have a satisfactory answer. Well, how about it's evidence of corruption and bias? How about Mr. IG? How about American dishonest media that help enable this corruption? Don't you look at the other IG reports that show at the same time they were making all these mistakes that hurt Donald Trump, they were doing all these unusual, all these unusual favors for the Clinton campaign. By giving immunity out like candy to them, coordinating with her lawyers, both on emails and Russia, changing the definitions of the law to give them an excuse not to prosecute her. So as this FBI and Justice Department is abusing the rule of law to target Trump, they're bending over backwards and abusing the rule of law to protect Hillary Clinton. Does that suggest bias? Of course it does. And on top of that, you had this IG report that referred James Comey for prosecution that wasn't pursued by Attorney General Barr, declined. And the IG report, which um, I think only Judicial Watch has highlighted sufficiently, demonstrates that Comey went and spied on President Trump directly, then-candidate Trump, actually then-president-elect Trump. Because in January 2017, when he knew the dossier was garbage, he had a meeting with who? Barack Obama and Joe Biden and Rice and Brennan and the rest, and they concocted a plan to go in and confront Trump with the information, not because they wanted to brief him in a defensive way and protect him, but because Comey wanted to see what his reaction would be to help with the spy operation he was running against him. So you had Comey directly spying on the President of the United States, and we're supposed to be shocked when they've got some confidential human sources doing the same thing. I tell you what, when you, and then you have Director Ray in response to this, pretend nothing went wrong. This FBI, by the way, is still protecting Page and Strzok. Stalling the release of its records, of their records. Who knows what else they're hiding? State Department, slow rolling the release of records on this. Who knows what else they're hiding? CIA won't even give us any records. Same goes for NSA. So we've got this FISA process, this process which is supposed to protect your rights. You can't trust the FBI to do anything with relation to FISA. The FISA reauthorization is coming up. I, you know, I want the president to be able to spy on foreigners. The Constitution gives him that right as president. And this FISA process is supposed to protect us. It ain't protecting us from abuses of those powers. Because Obama allowed the FISA process to be used to spy on his political opponent, Donald Trump. 
So we got clear-cut evidence of criminality. Is Attorney General Barr, Durham, who's running the investigation for him, going to do anything? I don't know. They punted on the Comey referral. And I haven't seen any indication of any serious criminal investigation. Have you? Maybe I missed it. It's not to say someone won't be prosecuted. Maybe someone will eventually. But I don't see any of the big guys who sat there silently. Do you believe that? Oh, we're spying on the Trump campaign. No response from anyone in the room. Who are you kidding? Obama, Biden, Brennan, they all knew. By the way, you can still impeach Obama. You're not immune from scrutiny under our, the impeachment clause of the, of the United States, of, of the Constitution, just because you left office. You can still be impeached. Talk about abuse of power. So, you know, I'll, I'll, there's other material in here. Maybe I'll go through it with you over the next few weeks. But I encourage you to read the IG report. It's confirmation that the President of the United States is a crime victim. His civil rights were violated. Civil rights of others were violated. The President should look at this, carefully consider it. It's further indication that he should be conducting or providing pardons to anyone caught up in this mess. Director Ray, FBI, as the president has noted, doesn't seem to be the guy to kind of fix the FBI. So maybe he needs to do something there. I don't know. But what a, what a crisis this is. And you've got to let your elected representatives know you consider this a crisis. And it can't be, oh, we'll reform this next year or, you know, maybe. The Senate had one hearing on this. And you know what? They won't have any more hearings on it. Guarantee you. Not unless you let them know what you think about the coup cabal, the sedition that was exposed here. So, what else are we doing? Oh, wait, we're doing investigation of congressional corruption, too. Remember the Amwan brothers? The Amwan brothers were IT people who worked for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and they ended up working for a bunch of congressmen who were uh, implicated in criminal activity. And uh, even after they were implicated in suspicious activity, Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, kept at least one of them on because he, she thought it was part of some anti-Muslim bias. And it was a massive security breach, potentially. Uh, and of course, the Justice Department erred on the side of protecting their bosses in the House. And it looks like uh, didn't really want to pursue this investigation strongly. And Judicial Watch participated in a meeting on the Hill last year where we talked about this. And we'll provide a link to it. So I'll give you the details there. But we had sued for the documents about this. So there are prosecutions, non-prosecutions, all sorts of interesting issues we wanted to pursue about house corruption and the DOJ potential cover-up of such house corruption. 
because it had a, a national security component, major issues about whether Pakistan was taking advantage of the security breaches that were evident here. And, uh, and then, of course, you had the, just the naked corruption of the House in terms of refusing to fire people who or hold them accountable over alleged criminal activity or in-your-face criminal activity. So we filed a, some FOIA requests in 2017 uh, and then 2018, and we filed the lawsuits. And we were supposed to get the, law, the documents in uh, November 5, 2019. And uh, they told us, the DOJ told the court, they began producing them to us. Uh, and after producing no records on November 13, 2019, the agency told Judicial Watch it was having, quote, technical difficulties and in a recent email then claimed that the difficulties with the production remain. And then, in a joint status report filed last week, uh, Judicial Watch told the court that the DOJ claimed in the phone call that it was now unable to produce any records to either of the FOIA requests because the agency was waiting for some unspecified action by another judge, Judge Chutkin, who's a federal district court judge here in the District of Columbia, in some other matter so as to avoid having to produce records in this case. In that same report, the DOJ told the court that Judge, Kutchin, judge Chutkin is presiding over a related sealed criminal matter. Sealed means that we can't get that details. Uh, that prohibits the government from releasing the requested FOIA information. So we're like, what's going on here? They told us they were going to release the records. They don't give us the records. They pretend there's de technical difficulties, difficulties, and then they start pointing to some secret court record as a reason not to produce the records to us. So we had the court hearing today. So I attended the hearing with our attorney, Jim Peterson. So this is how it works. As Judicial Watch president, I am uh, the client for Judicial Watch. I'm the corporate representative, so I go sit there like a big lummox in the courtroom at the table, not saying anything, just trying not to do anything that gets uh, uh, anyone upset. And uh, Jim Peterson is representing Judicial Watch, and he goes up and says, look, we have to have the ability to rely on the statements of the Justice Department, and obviously so does the court. When they tell you they're going to produce documents, produce the documents and provide a sufficient, or provide a sufficient excuse as to why not. Instead, you had these obviously shady stories were being told. And in response, the court, you know, he didn't uh, uh, say, oh, Judicial Watch is right. In, in a uh, strong way, but he ordered the Justice Department to give to him a full explanation as to what went on, which is something obviously the Justice Department never really wants to do, to go on record as to why they were, it looks like, shading the truth with the court and Judicial Watch. So I tell you, when I talk to you about the FISA warrant abuse and the lies to the courts there, I see that all over the place by the Justice Department. They're always playing games. And so uh, now we're going to have to wait till early January for the explanation, some of which may be sealed, meaning we won't be able to see it. We'll be in camera, meaning the only the court will see it. But the court did tell the Justice Department, by the way, if you're going to give me anything private, make sure there's material sufficient 
that's public so the Judicial Watch knows what the heck is going on. But this is the gamesmanship that we have to put up with from the Justice Department and the FBI. So when Attorney General Barr talks about cleaning house, when Ray says the FBI isn't doing anything wrong, I see all sorts of misconduct on an everyday basis by their dishonest Justice Department. And here's the background. Iran Arwan and his family were banned from the House Computer Network in February of 2017 after the House's top law enforcement officer wrote that Imran is an ongoing and serious risk to the House of Representatives, possibly threatening the integrity of our information systems and that a server containing evidence had gone missing. The Inspector General said that server logs showed unauthorized access and procurement records were author, uh, falsified. Awan was uh, Ibrahim Wasserman's top information technology aide. Most lawmakers fired Awan in February, so he was working for multiple offices, but Wasserman Schultz kept him on until he was arrested in July of 2017 trying to board a flight to Pakistan. In July of 2018, Awan was given a plea deal and pled guilty to federal bank fraud, but prosecutors found, quote, no evidence that Awan, excuse me, found no evidence that Awan, quote, violated federal law with respect to the House computer systems. So a lot of people have been critical of that DOJ whitewash, seemingly, of what went on. The Awan brothers reportedly were not given background checks before being given access to highly sensitive government information, and no explanations have been given as to why. Additionally, quote, if they would have run this background check, it would have been found out not only multiple criminal convictions, but a million-dollar bankruptcy, a dozen lawsuits. It would have found a whole host of major red flags, and the Democrats didn't do any of those checks. So you've got this scandal that implicates national security, involves a cover-up by House Democratic leadership, and now misconduct by the deep state DOJ and FBI. An important scandal, don't you think? And it's only Judicial Watch that's doing the heavy lifting to try to get access to the information in court, fighting tooth and nail to hold the House of Representatives to account, to hold the FBI to account for you, the American people. Speaking of misleading the courts, we have a hearing next week with the Clinton email issue. Now, Hillary Clinton's back in court again. You may know, and I'll explain if you don't, that uh, the federal court has granted Judicial Watch discovery in our Benghazi lawsuit, FOIA lawsuit. This is the lawsuit that helped uncover the Clinton email scandal. And uh, the court late last year excoriated the Justice Department and the State Department for lying to him. Does that sound familiar? for speaking with forked tongue. I don't know if that's an exact quote, but it sounds like something the judge would say. About the Clinton email issue. And he said, Judicial Watch can get discovery. And we got discovery and got additional information that Hillary Clinton was warned repeatedly about the national security issues, kept on doing it. The Obama White House knew about the Clinton email issue, was behind the cover-up and lies about it. 
more recently that Hillary Clinton and her top people were warned at least six times about the security implications of using a non an unsecure personal account. In fact, we want to question Hillary Clinton. The court wants to know the following issues. A, where are all the Clinton emails? Are there more to be found so FOIA can be vindicated? Was the court misled because they tried to shut the case down without telling us about the Clinton emails? And was Hillary Clinton using this system to avoid FOIA? Well, it's pretty clear she was. And second, and, uh, and he also wants to know uh, whether one of the reasons for this violation of law, this cover-up, was because they didn't want people to know uh, that there was these emails that may have had information about Benghazi. We had confirmation that was true because there was, uh, they had information that there was this private Clinton email system. It had information on Benghazi and they covered that up from the court and from Judicial Watch. And uh, the, we've gotten the ability to depose, I think, about 20 witnesses thus far. I think it's been 19 witnesses. All confirming, one way or another, everyone knew and there was reason to believe there was a cover-up of the Clinton email issue in the State Department. We also confirmed that the deleter of the Clinton emails, Heather Samuelson, who worked in the State Department, was given immunity by the Justice Department. The judge blasted the Justice Department FBI for giving immunity to Cheryl Mills, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, who was also one of the deleters, directed it by saying deleters, those people responsible for, quote, deleting the 33,000 emails that it turns out included government documents and classified information. All sorts of things we found out. So the question is, what next? So we're going to ask for a little bit more discovery. And plus, there's a dispute with Hillary Clinton about a document her lawyer created, an after-action memo, on how these emails were deleted and handled. And they don't want to give it to us. The court already ruled that we should get it. So we are not right now battling Hillary Clinton for access to this information. On top of that, we are asking for Hillary Clinton's deposition. The court has, uh, has all the briefing on that, so maybe we'll hear next week about it. And all of this, by the way, all of this discovery, our request to question Hillary Clinton, our request to question State Department, Justice Department officials about this, all opposed by the State Department and Justice Department, not under Barack Obama, but under this Attorney General and this Secretary of State. So Benghazi isn't going away. Clinton email issue isn't going away. We still want accountability as the rest of this decrepit city is distracted by the coup, Judicial Watch is pursuing the real scandals. The outrageous breaches of national security and your right to know by Hillary Clinton, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, deletion of records, contempt of court, you name it. So we got a big hearing next week. Corruption never takes a holiday, and this is why Decembers are often busy months for Judicial Watch.
So uh, I hope uh, to have a good report for you next week as to what the court says or do, does. And uh, certainly we'll keep you briefed on the impeachment issue. Again, it's important you let your voices be heard on the impeachment. Call your members of Congress at 202-225-3121. That's 202-225-3121. And uh, Judicial Watch, in the meantime, will continue its litigation and investigations on behalf of the rule of law. Thanks, of course, to your support. Have a great weekend. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.